Good morning, Christ Central. My name is Danielle Irwin, and today's scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we continue in our sermon series on entering into God's Sabbath as we, the Browns, and by extension, you, the Christ Central Church family, prepare for our six-month sabbatical beginning March 1st. And I am learning, just so you know, as much about what it means, and I'm just as curious as to what to expect, as some of you may be. And I praise God um, for Dr. Barbara Peacock, who's been patiently leading us onward in the planning and understanding of this time, of which she's outlined as rest, renewal, reconnecting relationally, and then reflecting on God's glory. So today we'll look more closely at the third, right? What it means and looks like to enter, to reconnect, and to enter God's relationships for us. As some of you know, the Bible is filled with directions and descriptions of God-given and God-infused relationships. This passage from the book of Hebrews is one of those scriptures. And just so you know, Hebrews is what I would describe as a thick, deep, and linguistically rich book. In fact, these seven verses are packed, packed, thick with historic Old Testament sacrificial and ceremonial allusions, many that I won't be able to exhaust. But to help us understand why the Sabbath, why a sabbatical, as the scripture says here in the last verse, as the day is approaching, the Sabbath day, right? The day of rest, the time to be together and be with God. Understanding why that is good for reconnecting in our committed relationships and then becoming more committed to connecting well in those relationships. So there are three points from this passage. For that, I want us to explore first that the Lord calls us to draw close in those committed, what I would describe as vowed relationships. Secondly, the Lord calls us out of relational diaspora in those relationships. And finally, the Lord calls us to enter those relationships, right? Those committed relationships, those vowed relationships through him. Hebrews, as its name suggests, apparently was written to help newly converted Christian Jews understand their new faith using 
Old Testament history and its Jewish religious practices and culture. It instructed them and now us how all of that rich Jewish religious heritage found in the Old Testament now finds its pinnacle and place in Jesus. Well, the first thing that God does and through the writer of Hebrews in this passage is call them and now all of us to draw close. To draw near, right? To draw closer in relationship to the Lord and each other. Look again at verse 22. It says, let us draw near, it says, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Right? Back in the day during the tent and and then temple worship, the people of God, the Jews, right, they would watch from a distance just far enough as the priest entered the tent of meeting. So it was almost like a worship service, but only one person could actually come before the throne. And the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God to represent the people before God. And the people would stay at a distance. So the writer is calling them, these many of them Jews, to draw near and endure. Doing so is giving a revolutionary command, a revolutionary allowance in urging his listeners to do something in times past they would be forbidden to do and to only do from a distance, to draw close, right next up to, right? To get acquainted and intimate, come into the presence and company of the Lord. And he is basing this call and confidence, as verse 19 says, on their profession of faith in Jesus and Jesus' actions. That as a believer, you must and are allowed to draw close and in deeper relationship with the Lord. He will come close to you, and then you come close to him, and he will let you come close because of the entryway, because of the the door, because of the VIP past and, and, and spiritual pathway created by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Which means, in short, whether you gave your life on the beach, right, following some track, or an open vowing, new members joining like folks will do next week here at Christ Central Church, you have made a vow to be with and close and then come close and, and near to God. And when we make our vow, just like this morning, it's only because God has already first vowed and come through on the promise to draw close to us through Jesus and then draw you and make space and a way and a door for you to come in to him. But on top of that, as a benefit and outer working of that, as you are drawing near and, and closer and in relationship with the Lord, Don't you see what follows next? We are called to draw near and enter into one another's lives. Look how verse 23 and 24 follow this thing. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. What our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now remember, this refers, this is a kind of an illusion of the priest coming in to meet Jesus, but meet God. But, but then look at how it turns, right? It, it, is like a, it is like a turnstile right here. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised is faithful, right? So this is about our faith with God. And let us consider 
how to stir up one another to love and good works. So the vows we even heard just at baptism, and again, next week we'll hear in our new, new members class, are, are professed and confessed vows, right? That, that, this verse 24 says, that, 23 says, that are part of what it means to be the people of God. Confessional and professional believers of the church and community with each other and with the world, right? So it means to draw near to our children and have their, them draw near to God and community. That's what that baptism vow meant. You know, St. Augustine, an African church father from the 4th century, said that no one has God as their father who doesn't also have the church as their mother. Which means, guess what? When you come to the Lord, you're in a family. We are spiritually related. We are spiritually vowed. To each other. So we see these calls and vows to enter in and wedding vows, right? Even those. And again, the vows during baptism for parents who love their children. And then we even stood up and said, we'll help them love the children too. And we vow to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love each other like brothers and sisters. These are connected and come with our faith in Jesus. And so we take as seriously as part of our faith and promises to God and drawing near to God and God's to us to then love and draw near to each other as those drawn near to him. Look at verse 25. It says this. Start at 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It says not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the wars you see the day approaching. Okay, so meeting, that word there, it means assembly, right? It means we must come together. Not just come together, to be in sacred space with and towards each other. In fact, meeting also means to have a love feast, right? To have ceremonially planned out, in other words, be intentional to draw near, to grow in relationship and seek each other out situations. It means to be invited and go, go to parties for and about the Lord and for and about each other. I was talking to our spiritual director and she was saying, okay, y'all need to have a date night. Have, do y'all have dates? Me and Kelly. And I said, yeah. Every, almost every Sunday after church, we do lunch together. And she laughed. Some of y'all probably are now, right? No, no, y'all ain't laughing. Y'all just say, no, fool, that ain't right. Just because y'all end up eating together, just ending up. In fact, Kelly said, well, you had to eat. We had to eat. We ate together. The boys ain't with us. That ain't a date because a date is a planned out, intentional, ceremonial, set apart thing to draw near. each other. And so gathering to enter in has a plan and purpose to it. Right? And it isn't haphazard. Look again at verse 24 with me. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You see that? You see, the call to draw near to each other and have relationship with each other, whether it's, it's in, in marriage or friendship or, 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 or be part of a church, it's just 
is not haphazard. Just like entering into the Holy of Holies of God wouldn't have been haphazard and careless. That's a good word. Careless, but carefully, right? Caringly. Man, you should see all that goes into the meeting with God in the Old Testament. There's all sorts of details. What kind of clothes you're going to wear? How you walk in there? What kind of stuff is burning? What kind of bread's on the table, right? To consider in, in verse 24 here is... The word to consider in verse 24 is like finding the perfect gift, lighting, and everything on Valentine's, right? It means, oh, it's so hard for some of us, getting that empty Valentine card, right? The one that don't say the words for you, and you got a nice thing, and you got to write everything, two open pages, right? It means to take the time to think about and know the person enough to break through to them. Like God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did to make sure we were not forsaken or neglected to sin or lost to sin. The word neglected here in verse 24 as, as do not neglect meeting. It means not to be left behind or left over or made over or picked over. We will get more to that later, but it means not to be forsaken. This is about positioning your life to get and then to get in real good with another person. Getting together, drawing near to them, considering them for what purpose? Do you see the second half of verse 24? To get love and good deeds out of each other's lives. And it's two things, love and good deeds, yeah. But the, the, the conjunction used there also means that these two things go together. It is almost a description of one thing. One thing doesn't happen without the other. That the love of God, it is saying that we would get loving good deeds out of each other, right? Or, 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 or love good deeds into each other. And it means this, that the love of God would be at work and happening in our hearts and that love would come out in how we work and see ourselves and see the world and see the Lord. That someone's individual performance in life and all they do is connected to having close relationship and care and not being neglected by other people. Drawing there is about the renewal we looked at in last week's sermon. Being fully connected to God and making sure, the scripture saying, others are fully connected to God by being relationally intentional and considerate of who they are. And the way to do this, according to Hebrews, man, it sounds and feels seriously counterintuitive. Looking back at verse 19, it says we come into God's presence through what? The blood of Jesus. You see that? We draw near through the blood of Jesus, right? That Jesus had, had to walk. In other words, it's describing the work of Jesus, that Jesus had to walk in our shoes and tough it out as the poorest, most despised, and least privileged among us, and then suffer and die for the Lord to draw near to us and for us to be able to draw near to him. And then it says on our side of relating with God that we must be sprinkled clean, as verse 22 says. Now, I'm pretty sure sprinkled 
is not the water like you saw today. But sprinkle refers to the Old Testament practice of the priest who would sprinkle what? Blood all over the altar and themselves. And then later, the Bible tells us, they would wash themselves clean with water, as in baptism, to return pathogen-free to the community. And the community would wash to be pathogen-free to each other, just like we're doing right now with COVID-19, to, to be close to each other. But the point is, when it comes to drawing near to each other, it is just as intentionally edgy and pointed as the blood and the sacrifice and all that stuff just in an emotional way. Look what verse 24 says. And let us consider how to what? Stir up. Now some versions say spur, right? You know what stir up means? Exactly what it sounds like. It means to create a stir, to shake somebody up, to get to them. We hate this term, to push their buttons. The word comes from the action of taking a spur or whip and beating a horse forward, like hitting its leg, making it go. It is violently almost uh, advancing and pushing and teasing and prodding and, 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 and poking your way into a person's life and then dragging and pushing and pulling and leaning into them, running them down into yours and into the Lord's presence. which requires you spend some serious quality trust-building time together. <laughs> so you can know what makes them tick and which buttons to push that will, what? Produce love and good deeds. Reminds me of going to the doctor for those exams. For you men who are over 45, right? Don't have to get graphic, you know? And, and you know what I heard? Some men will die and will risk dying of prostate cancer because they can't and won't be prodded and poked, <laughs> right? But so many have died because like verse 24 says, not enough consideration of what that feels like and how to help the discomfort and bring confidence to it has been done, right? So there is this balance, right? And back and forth that we are called to walk in as believers who know, all right, when I ask this question of this person, when I push to draw near, it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. I am going to consider how to express grace in a prodding way if I have to, to care for them. To enter into and bring health and love and goodness into and out of each other. But the road to the door even of relationship, to, to even be able to push that button, right? To, to ring the doorbell, to, to, to knock at the door. It's not easy to travel or find the scripture is teaching. Because like the Jews, this letter was focused on, we, we live in what I would describe as diaspora with each other. 
Diaspora is a term that refers to an ethnic group being spread out and away from the geographical and ethnic homeland. Oftentimes, this happened through invasion or slave trade or colonialism into someone else's space. So it caused groups of people to be all over the place, right? To be shipped and to run and to escape all over the place. African diaspora, Jewish diaspora, Asian diaspora. And the Jews to whom this letter was focused were no longer, here's the key, they were no longer living geographically and culturally close to the Holy Land or in the Holy Land. They didn't have their own land anymore. The Romans had come in, all kind of issues. They were spread out all over the place. Some had become more Greek than Roman culturally. They no longer were close to the temple, to the place where the sacrifice happened and where Jewish lives mattered. They were all over the Roman Empire. The Jewish Wakanda had been raided, exiled, and the cultural and religious vibranium were exploited, right? And now with the Gentiles all in it, needless to say, they felt separated uh, and, and kind of disturbed and, and guarded against this new spiritual, ethnic, and cultural lack of solidarity and centrality on being Jewish. They, like we, are separated from the call to draw near to the Lord and each other by worldly demands. We're separated by worldly demands. Sometimes, let's be honest, it's our jobs that call us away from our relationship with each other and the Lord. Or it's school, or hobbies, or entertainments, or TV shows, or gaming, or sports schedules, and social media, and TikTok, and Facebook, and on and on. And so our lives are literally and logistically invaded and enslaved and exploited and colonized by all sorts of worldly factors and forces. This broken world has caused relational diaspora in our homes and neighborhoods and communities and churches and prayer and devotional lives and time with the Lord and all the groups we're supposed to be part of and valid. And this year, you know we feel it with COVID and politics. And social justice issues, we feel are huge in the church. And then add to all those things, age and generational stuff and geographical and educational and economical and ethnic and all kinds of segregating issues and cultural distances caused by us and the history we were born into. Sometimes, y'all, we are controlled and determined by factors greater than ourselves. We are all. When it comes to relation with each other and the Lord, too busy, too distanced, buying in our own things. By the way, work happens in our lives, by our finances, right? By the way, your boss want to work you, by the way you want to work, by the money you want to make. For the Lord, we're too distant for the Lord and each other and we're separated and divided and we can't and don't draw near to a, to a central reality and love for each other because of the worldly demands that have put us in relational diaspora. And like those who received this letter, this is, this is where we are in the call to draw near. Separated. Draw near, y'all. But we don't, we don't even live in the same we live together, but we ain't on the same schedule, Lord. What you talking about? But this was only the outside factor. This whole separation diaspora thing in Hebrews at its root was spiritual and emotional. Look with me again at verse 22. Let us draw near and listen what it says, how to draw near. With a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Right? This is about where your hearts and minds and therefore the way you live in relationship with each other and how that keeps you separated from God, relationship with God and each other. For example, let's face it, sometimes it's our pride. We live in the same house. It ain't geographical. We aren't in diaspora because, because we're split apart. Sometimes we got the same work schedule, right? It, 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 it's our pride that keeps us separated and not able to draw near and draw near to others in the Lord. We all do it and say it, thinking and saying to ourselves, well, I'm different. Nobody can get me. Oh, we love saying that. We love thinking, right? I, I, I have to fix myself. I'm out here on my own, right? I'm special. I'm theologically right. I understand myself, and that's all I need, right? And we've been hurt before, so we are not going to let anyone else in. Hurt and pass. Our hearts are not clear, as the Scripture is saying. Our hearts are burdened. Our, our hearts haven't been washed. And so we, we've been hurt in past relationships, even by the relationships that you are called to draw near and give access to. For others, there is a high degree of shame. Because they're not privileged or, sh privileged or, or shamed in, in how they have lived because they are not the first-class Christians. Right? Or like the Gentiles would have felt back then who must have been thinking, we can't live and keep up with all the holy performance that the Jews and their Judaism demand. We are shamed, some of us, by things we've done and what has been done against us. Some of us, it might be your husband, right? You failed to be nurturing and attentive or even sexually pure in thought and deed and now... You stay away. Or wives who feel like they are not good enough. Or fathers, shamed for a history of not being there, too busy with work and world. And, and now they, in shame, stay away. Or a mother who had to work or, 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 or romantic relations where you might have been used and misused. Or maybe it's a different route you find yourself on in discovering and developing your sexuality. And you've experienced nothing but rejection and mistreatment. So you set up a wall and on and on. All the ways we are tempted like the Old Testament Holy of Holies to veil our hearts, to not be true as the scripture says. <laughs> that we're not acting according to what's really going on here, right? So we might be, you know, uh, that's why the, the, the sprinkling of the heart and conscience goes along with the washing of the body. And there's a serious inconsistency between our ability to give ourselves to one another because our hearts are messed up. We're veiled. We won't let anybody in. To what I would describe as the holy of holies of our lives. And that goes both ways, right? Because we have also been trained to not ask, right? To, to not even attempt to draw near. To not even attempt to go past the surface and past the door. We, we make a great team. Let's just keep it at that. Let's work shoulder to shoulder. Let's not look in each other's eyes. No way. 
You don't, you don't go into people's holy of holies. Only therapists and counselors go there, but definitely not parents or friends or church members who may desecrate and demean and make me feel less than, who are dangerous to my core sense of worth and holiness and wholeness. So we, as verse 25 says, get into a habit, right? A normality of not being known or even sought out or asked about. It becomes a habit, right, (laughs) to not seek out or draw near to each other. It becomes a habit not to even think we should have a nice love feast, right? We get into the habit of living separated and unknown and only living on the surface, not only with the Lord, but with each other. And these habits of separation and division between us and God can, can easily be put in the category of, you know how we say it? Mutual, mutual respect of our personal boundaries. It's great. That sounds so healthy. And yes, boundaries are important to our wholeness, to our health. But this scripture is declaring that what we've done and, and accepted is there's such a veil. There is so much shame. Our hearts are so broken by so many things. We, we, we are so unredeemed that we only see a wall and a veil and a stop and don't go any further and a stop and you can't go any further in our relationships with each other and the Lord. This scripture is saying, we have erected walls where there should be doors because of Christ. We've erected walls. And we've locked doors that shouldn't be. That should be open to God and each other. So as the Bible is saying here, we must consider. That's what that to consider means. In verse 24. We must take time, y'all. The veil's so thick, the, the wall's so wide, the distance sometimes because of our fear and our shame, and some of us have some serious scars. And you know, when you have a scar or a hurt, you know, like you just sort of back up. You don't, you don't want to come close. There's fear. That's why it says consider. Like Jesus, take time and space and patience and suffering and sacrifice. For each other to find out and share and reveal how to get across. How to open a way between each other. And yes, I've preached more sermons, I bet, applications about how to get out of unhealthy relationships. But this passage is about how to get into healthy, relating, and out of unhealthy loneliness. And disconnect between you and others in you and your Lord. Here's where the place for therapy and counseling and spiritual direction and all that stuff comes in. You know what they're designed to do? Contrary to popular belief, I think some of us go to therapists and counselors and these folks so that we can have a place to share and hold ourselves away because someone who can't really prod us in other ways is listening to us (laughs) when it's called for us to be able to set proper boundary setting but also how to put doors 
where there's walls for deeper relationships. That's what it's for. And yet we've made it this selfish thing. Which means for most of us in line with the sabbatical, as we talked about in verse 24, it will require again taking time. You know, our walls in, in the Brown family, man, they are so thick after so many years of, of pain and hurt. Kelly and I were talking about it yesterday, trying to hold the church together, trying to do this, moving 11, 12, 13 times. I mean, just getting by, too afraid to ask for help, too afraid to look weak. Now we got to not only enter in, but, but, but to be able to just listen. We have to look and focus. We have to be extra intentional, almost ceremonial to break through one another now. And we're not alone. You have the same thing. Some of y'all been married for so long. Some of y'all are entering romantic relationships right now. And the wall is a mile thick. You know, when we sat down with Dr. Peacock, she recommended love plans. You know, and I'm like, what's a love plan? You know what a love plan is? Verse 24, consider. <laughs> have a plan. You ever see, you see our worship service is on a sheet? And we, we have a plan. We, we have an order of service. And it goes along with the ceremonial thing from the Old Testament you see here. What is your plan to get to and break through and open your life to somebody else? She said, y'all need a love plan. And she asked for about our kids, you know, this kid and this kid. And, and even, you know, not saying it directly, like me and Kelly, who is this person? One time she had us sit there and look at each other. Howard, what do you see when you look at Kelly? Oh, Lord. Right? And just looking. Have you taken time just to look at each other? And then after you look and think and hear, Right? To make a plan how to love and encourage the other person. Not only to you, but to the Lord and the Lord's calling for them. You know, we went to a spiritual autobiography class yesterday as part of the sabbatical. And it takes you through every 10th year of your life, each 10 years. Who's the most important person at that time? And, you know, you can put more than one person. Important events what the Lord was teaching you, why were they important? I'm like, my Lord, but here's the deal. It is so important that you consider, right? So you can share. You, some of y'all have not taken your lives and actually looked at what's gone in to the doors and walls and boundaries you have in your life. You know what the Sabbath of God does? It gives you not only a call, but something that some of us need. Verse, one, verse 19, it gives us confidence and allowance to take time in how we see how much God loves us and how we should love him and how we, so that we can experience the love between each other. I think some people fool I think people lie to each other and lie. Well, sometimes maybe stuff isn't clear from the pulpit, but I think we think that stuff happens fast and automatically. And some of us get discouraged. You know, I went to the church and nobody loved. It's intentional. That's what it says. Some community groups have sharing time. 
right? Where they give a week to one or two people to tell their stories. And I'm going to tell you, some of you, I know I would, see and feel it like a welcome spot. I mean, not me, but welcome spotlight. Others feel it like the hot seat. But regardless, it's about not neglecting and being neglected as the command of the Lord, y'all, to cross and close the diaspora between us logistically and emotionally and spiritually, which can be like walking into an emotional and spiritual minefield or exploratory surgery where there's lots of scar tissue. But the good news for difficulty of drawing near to each other and overcoming that distance in our relationship is that the way in power there is given and offered to us through the Lord himself. The Bible, despite all of the distance between us and God and each other, declares and calls us to be, in verse 19, to act with confidence. And then in verse 24, with decisive action when it comes to connecting with God and each other. That despite that division and diaspora, because we have been made holy by God through Jesus, we can hear me. This is crazy. The, the confidence is, is crazy. As crazy as it would have been for you as a non-priest to walk up to the Holy of Holies. This is what it's saying, right? That despite the division, we can proceed, right? We can pass, right? We can walk toward, put the front light on, right? Open and leave the door cracked to go right up, not only before in prayer and presence with God, but go into the holy of holies of presence of each other's lives with the right heart to bring out the right heart. Because Jesus is sanctified and equipped us. And this is kind of like the faith piece. As a believer, Jesus has equipped you like a, and, and masked and washed and gloved you and covered you like a surgeon, right? We, we are clothed and washed by grace. That was a heart of conscience. By God's loving power, we are continually sanctifying and being washed by grace. God's loving power working our lives that works to cause us to act. And as we act to do the work of love and deeds in each other's lives and to have it happen to us, which means we are not trusting in each other's abilities, abilities to be you know, get along and do our own thing. But let me tell you what's going on. It is actually faith in what Jesus actually can accomplish and do in the hearts and minds and lives of his people. It's saying have confidence because if he opened up a way to and built a bridge to and from a holy God, he does, has, and can do the same between those of us who we are called to draw near to in various ways. This is crazy. He's saying in Christ, for those in Christ, believers can tread where only Jesus can be trusted to tread. Wow. Because the high priest has gone before and made a way. We can walk where Jesus walks. We can draw and drag each other too. Only because we do not go without him. We go with 
and because he's already gone there, right? Walk towards and then receive your spouse today. The scripture has to tell us to have confidence because it's scary. It might be the day to go in our room with the kids. Hey, son, what's going on? Silence. I don't know, Dad. What, 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 what you want? I'm not talking about my kids. I'm just saying sometimes it, it could be like that. I know I was like that. Dad, what, whoa, what are you doing in my room? Like, you don't even fit in this music video with the music I'm playing. You, you don't, it, you, it's out of order, like, right? Um, it's time to get together with that fellow brother and sister in the Lord. And this isn't a sermon about reconciliation, but it might be time even for that. Your family members, your neighbor, your friends, your God who calls you his friend. The light is on and the door is open because Jesus opened a way. It's a faith step. You see, the call to sanctify and then to consider, it means to let Jesus love on you. To let Jesus walk into your life. He alone has the key to the door of our lives and he does not let our walls stop him. If his life, death, and resurrection tore the veil in the holy temple, his life, death, and resurrection is powerful to tear the veils and walls down in our lives. Here's an Old Testament illusion for you. Let's close this thing out. Y'all remember when the Israelites, some of you who know the Bible, um, the Israelites were in Egypt and the death angel was coming around and they, would, they said we're told to put the blood of a lamb over um, the, the, the door. And then you see here that the blood was sprinkled on the priest so he could go in, right? But then you have the blood of the lamb painted over the doorway of God's people in Egypt so that the death angel would not come in. Jesus' blood is sprinkled over the doorways of our hearts so that life, love, goodness, and God and the people of God will come in. And not pass you over and pass you by. If you're the Lord's, you've got this bright red announcement over your heart and over your life that first God sees, the Holy Spirit sees, and we all see that says, hey, my Lord says, you shall not pass me by. He says, I'm worth it. Jesus, the Lord, is promising to go risky business, house party, and coolie high on us. Now, some of those y'all don't know because y'all too young. But this is like when the kids, when the parents go away and the kids have the party. Because when he comes to live in your house, Jesus does what he promises. That we would not be forsaken or left alone. By his blood, he signals and draws all his people. 
And the people who called in relation with you to himself and what he is doing in you. He is calling and drawing us to join into a sabbatical, a.k.a. celebration of love and good between you and you and me and between him and us. And there's no party like a Jesus open party. Because he promises that in our relationships, a Jesus party, how y'all say it, won't stop. It won't and don't stop loving us, keeping us, and knowing us. Did you know when Jesus came to live in your heart, he came in there to throw a party. <laughs> to celebrate him, but so that you could be celebrated too. A celebration where love and goodness and grace and community come to live. During this sabbatical time, I mean, this is what we're doing. It, it, it seems like fun. It's kind of scary. You know, it's that, that, that scary feeling when you got to buy a gift for somebody and you don't quite know <laughs> what exactly and all to get them, and you should. Or you get them something they like, okay, right? You got to take time to learn, and grace is on your side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that as we see the day approaching, sabbatical, community, assembly, times together, that we would consider where are our hearts as we sit down together and be in the house together or go get some ice cream together or whatever it is we're doing, the day is approaching. A ceremony of community with you and each other, Lord. And boy, the many times I've just had empty time and I could have called your name or, or shared something with you, Lord, or, or asked you to come on in and share something with me and sat still and said, Lord, speak to me. And Lord, I just... Turned on Netflix. Help us. Because we're afraid. But you say we have confidence now because of Christ. Do that work in us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.